Check, check, check. Check one, two, three. DJ Emma on the mic. DJ Farron. Some folk ride to the wild boar hunt, or for elk they knock their arrows. But my love rode with the vixen queen to lay to rest our sorrows. She did not dream of fame that day, nor fear what pain might find her. She rode to heal her people's hearts, and my love rode behind her. The vixen queen's hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And today we're discussing The Queen Awakes. Chapter eight. So excited. This is my favorite chapter. That little poem at the beginning was for the intro of the chapter. And it's obviously a retelling of today. Yeah. What we're going to be reading. I don't know if it's obvious. We haven't (laughs) talked about it yet, but I presume most people. Once you read the chapter, (laughs) it's obviously a retelling of this. Um, This day made into song. And. The whole keep is astir early the next day is the first line of the chapter. It's the gathering of everybody um, to go out and hunt the forged ones, what the guards were promising to do at the end of last chapter. Yes. They were mad and upset because they dared attack the queen waiting, and now everyone has made their promises, gotten together, and started festivities and bets and everything for the hunt today. Yeah, Fitz says this is like the general atmosphere of what it's like before a big winter hunt Mm -hmm. for game, but there's just a tinge of weirdness and, you know, turmoil bubbling below the surface. I had seen this a hundred times before a winter hunt for elk or bear, but now there is an edge to it. A rank smell of bloodlust on the air. I heard snatches of conversations, words that made me queasy. No mercy for that, Dong. Cowards and traitors to dare to attack the queen. Shall pay dearly. They don't deserve a swift death. He goes to the kitchen and also hears the same sort of sentiments voiced out loud, Mm -hmm. the same craving for revenge. Right. This is a bloodthirsty crowd. Yes. Um, so he goes to seek Verity. Mm-hmm. Sees what Verity is up to. And he's in his map room. And looks like he hasn't really slept. Right. I could tell he had washed and dressed himself afresh this day. But he wore last night as plainly as a dirty robe. My prince, you do not ride with your guard today, I ventured. And... All this time before this, he had been kind of quiet and just, mm-hmm. like, sitting there. And with that question, Verity just kind of unloads on Fitz. Yeah. I do not. I dare not. How could I countenance such a thing, this hunting down of our own folk and kin? And yet, what is my alternative? To hide and mope within the keep walls while others go out to avenge this insult to my queen-in-waiting? I dare not forbid my men to uphold their honor, so I must behave as if I am unaware of what goes on in the courtyard. As if I am a simpleton, or a laggard, or a coward. Yeah. So, not great. (laughs) 
not a good mood. No. He goes on to say right here, I just want to point out, uh, there will be a ballad written about this day, I doubt it not. What shall it be called? Verdi's Massacre of the Witless? Or Queen Ketrickin's Sacrifice of the Forged? And we see at the beginning of this chapter that it's actually called The Vixen Queen's Hunt. Mm-hmm. So not quite as, uh, <laughs> as bloodthirsty as, yeah. as those. Verdi kind of lays bare here, like, in this whole conversation that he has with Fitz, that he isn't happy with how he rules. He no. isn't happy with his abilities. He has tons of self-doubt and has no confidence. Right. And this really showcases his inability to think in a courtly way. He seems to view every problem as black and white. You can either do one thing or you can do the other. Mm -hmm. um, he knows somewhat of the implications that surround some choices versus others, but he doesn't quite see how you can do two things at once the way that later Ketrickin is doing. And it's kind of sad. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it makes me feel bad for saying this because I do like Verity as a person, but he isn't a very good ruler. No, he's I think not. in a peaceful time, it would be fine. Yeah. I think if he didn't have to worry about his younger brother trying to murder him constantly, maybe also <laughs> that would help. Uh, but this really, really shows how inadequate he is. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it goes to show even, even more so in the next part, because he relates how Ketrickin came to his room last night after he and Fitz had that conversation about uh, his skill dreaming. <laughs> right. And I do want to point out that Fitz doesn't want to hear about it. He doesn't oh, no. care. Yeah. He doesn't care if they made up or if they fought the whole time. He doesn't want to know, which I thought was a little weird. Why do you think he doesn't want to know what happened? Fitz has been schooled on manners and stuff, and I'm sure this is like a taboo subject. Mm. Um, also, Fitz is young, and you're hearing about a family member's private affairs. That's fair. And at this point, he doesn't know, like, what happened with Ketrick and Verdi, so he doesn't want to hear any intimate details <laughs> that might pop up. Um, probably because he's also still very embarrassed from last night mm, when yeah. his intimate details were kind of, like, <laughs> on display. So That's fair. Mm. But uh, Verdi says that, not weeping, that Ketrick came not weeping as you might think she would, not for comfort, not to be held against night fears or reassured of my regard, but sword stiff as a rebuked sergeant, to stand at the foot of the bed and beg my pardon for her transgressions. Whiter than chalk and hard as oak. His voice trailed off as if he realized he betrayed too much of himself. She foresaw this hunting mob, not I. She came to me in the middle of the night, asking what must we do. I had no answer for her any more than I do now. First of all, um, I don't know who he thinks Ketrickin is, but I did not think she would be coming to his room to weep. <laughs> I think no, I, I think, I don't think he thinks that either. I think he's lamenting the fact that she didn't. Right. But I just find his choice of words interesting. Yeah. Like normal women would have been upset, which is fair. And maybe. I think that's the kind of women that Verity looks to usually. Right. Yeah. But also, he's not taking this opportunity to see that she sees him as a leader. Mm -hmm. He's just seeing that she's leader enough to know the outcome of what happened. 
and he couldn't even foresee that. So he's horrible. And it's sad because Mm -hmm. he could have taken this as like, wow, she sees me as the leader, as her as her warlord or what? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm she's a sergeant to me. But instead of taking that in a positive tone, he just chose to see that in a negative way on himself. And maybe it's partially because they don't get along and they're not. Well, they don't not get along, but they're not super well suited for each other. Right. And I don't know. I just feel bad. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like situations in my life where somebody comes to me for advice and you have literally no idea what to do. And if you're not super well acquainted and, and the other person feels like you need to tell them what to do, like mm-hmm. you should know and you don't, you feel inadequate and don't think of like, oh, they came to me for advice. Right. Like just in my experience, it's just like, well, what do we do then? I guess I, I'm terrible at this. I don't know what to do. So <laughs> that's, that's fair. I think he kind of latches onto that. Like I, I'm literally not cut out for this because I don't have any response i didn't foresee this and i don't know how to fix it yeah i'm not a good at my job basically (laughs) yeah and i mean he might have also leaped to that conclusion because he's already pretty down on himself with everybody talking crap about him around town and (laughs) not able to protect his people because remember like he's inundated with that skill like he visits people and so i'm sure he's heard all those sentiments before of like verity isn't very good on top of being raised to be in chivalry's shadow yeah Yeah. not a great time for him because he does go on to say this um uh, I mean, Fitz kind of chimes in. He's like, at least she foresaw this, like hoping to bring some respite from his anger for, for Ketchikin. But Verity goes on and relates it to chivalry, saying, I did not, but chivalry would have. Mm-hmm. Oh, chivalry would have known it would happen from the moment she went missing and would have had all sorts of contingency plans, but I did not. I thought only to bring her swiftly home and hope not to, and, and hope not too many heard of it, as if such a thing could be. And so, de- so today I think to myself that if ever the crown does come to rest on my brow, it will be in a most unworthy place. So sad. Yeah. And, I mean, to be fair, we don't know if chivalry would have actually foresaw this that far ahead or right, have yeah. even known what to do in this situation. And that's not necessarily the point, but it just goes to show he can't. He has such a high vision of what his brother was. Mm-hmm. That and what he, a leader should be. Yeah. And he's just never going to be able to fill those shoes in his own mind. Um, maybe if he went to therapy. <laughs> yeah. But he's it's, a tragic character. He is. And it's sad because the line, if the crown ever lays on my head, is so sad because I don't think it ever does. I don't think he's ever king. I mean, he is because Shrewd dies, but I think Verity's gone by that point. Yeah. So he's King Verity, but he's missing. Uh-huh. So. So he's never truly king. Yeah. And it's not fair to say that he would be unworthy because he is. He's just not the king that's needed in the time. Right. And it, it's sad. Maybe if his family wasn't so messed up and he was raised with a little bit more self-confidence, um, <laughs> he would be able to think things his own way instead of thinking about them through chivalry's lens. I mean, that's how they were raised. Though. They were so close that, yeah, I don't know. But it's hard if you don't naturally find solutions to problems in a certain way, 
and you're constantly thinking about it like, oh, this is how my brother did it, so I should do it that way too, you're probably going to miss out a lot of things because you're not thinking about them. With your your, strengths in mind? Yeah. Yeah. You're going straight for your weaknesses, and of course you're not going to be good at it. (laughs) I just feel so bad for him in this. This paragraph is kind of what I was mentioning last episode, that we would see more of how bad of a match Ketrikin and Verity were. Mm -hmm. And this is where Fitz kind of realizes that. I finally saw how poor a match Ketrikin was for him. It was not her fault. She was strong and raised to rule. Verity often said himself he had been raised as a second son. The right sort of woman would have steadied him like a sea anchor, helped him rise to assume his kingship. A woman who had come weeping to his bed, to be cuddled and reassured, would have let him arise certain that he was a man and fit to be king. Ketrikin's discipline and restraint made him doubt his own strength. My prince was human, I suddenly perceived. It was not reassuring. It's another realization of Fitz, like... Because I think we had one for Beric earlier, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was last book or whatever, but saying, like, oh, Beric is fallible. He is a human. Yeah. Um, and it's another moment of your parent realizing your parents are... Real <laughs> can people? make mistakes yeah, <laughs> yeah. they don't emotions. actually know everything <laughs> but it really it, it does show that uh ketrikin is a mirror and not a and verity isn't seeing a good reflection of himself right and he takes that personally mm-hmm. as, as an ass- not not from ketrikin but as an assault from himself like to yeah. himself like i am not worthy of anything that i'm doing or what mm-hmm. station i've achieved he just doesn't have that confidence. So right. when we say like he's not a good match, it's like with Ketrikin, if Ketrikin was that weeping woman to be calmed down, Verity could be fixing that small situation and then feel mm-hmm. like he was capable of fixing a larger one. But instead he sees someone who sees more issues and has the foresight of being like, there are going to be problems coming from this. What do we do now? Yeah. And Verity doesn't have that confidence to to recognize that. Right. But I mean, ultimately, I think it's better to have someone like Ketrikin. Because oh, if she was a type of woman who came to him weeping, sure, he would have felt better. But then in the morning, everybody would have been ready for the hunt. He would have zero idea that it was coming. And then he would have to think on the spot about what was happening and he'd still be upset. He would just feel more secure in his relationship. And honestly, I feel like that's a flaw of his that like the his relationship with his woman can put so much of a damper on his mood and, you know, really stop him from leading to the best of his abilities. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Fitz wants him to go out and, like, say something to the crowd, and Verity's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to go out and address them, because I just told you why I'm not. <laughs> like, I don't want to countenance this. I don't want to go out and say good hunting. Like, that's the opposite of what I want to happen. Right. Well... This is what I was trying to avoid by sending you out to kill people earlier, yeah. so... And this is a good reflection of how he truly cannot see... Like, I don't support this. I don't want anybody to dirty their hands killing people. So I, I'm not going to do anything at all. 
I can't, there's no possible way of making this anything but a slaughter of our own people. Um, and it's sad. And I wish, I wonder a little bit if these shortcomings are because he doesn't feel like he has anyone he can confide in. He doesn't have a Chade because I'm sure Chade is busy taking care of Shrewd. And while Chade is there for counsel, he's still not quite king. So I'm sure Chade doesn't really give him time. But does Verity have anybody that he can, that's an adult? Because Fitz doesn't know enough. Not it's just no Fitz. offense to Fitz, but he's not old enough or skilled enough to be a Chade yet. And does he have anybody in his corner talking him through these situations? Because it doesn't seem like he does. Maybe his manservant, but that's about it. Yeah. He's kind of alone in the castle. So that also kind of explains some of his shortcomings. There's nobody in his corner. He doesn't. Right. There's no adult to help him. <laughs> and I mean, Shrewd doesn't even do it alone. So how is Verity supposed to? Right. Uh, Fitz leaves and is going to head towards that gathering and Regal stops him and asks where Verity is because he is very upset about what is happening in the courtyard at this very moment. Right. He notes that Regal looked as if his arising this morning had not been a choice of himself um, and that his clothing and hair were well arranged, but all the tiny primping touches were missing. So I'm sure one of his servants woke him up and said... Hey, Ketrickin's doing some stuff in the courtyard. Like, uh-huh. you have to get up right now. But he still took the time to look nice. This isn't a Fitz rush to get Oh, yeah, somewhere. no, yeah. He still looks presentable. His clothing is clean. His hair is combed. Regal knows what a prince should look like at all times. Right. Or what he should present to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he is mad. Um, oh, yeah. Fury rode him. He tries to violently grab and stop Fitz and Fitz just kind of like goes lax and he can't move him because Fitz has grown up and he's stronger and bigger and a little bit taller than Regal mm-hmm. and he's, he's trying been... to he's being a little bit defiant here mm-hmm. and Regal is demanding you know where where is Verity where is he and Fitz is playing dumb he's <laughs> he's literally playing dumb like oh maybe you know at these, this time of day he could be up in his tower or his map room or his actual room or mm-hmm. down by the docks i don't know well he doesn't lie no he doesn't lie he does say where he usually is during this time yeah because regal specifically asks him where's my brother usually at this time of day so you know <laughs> fitz is being very vague uh-huh and uh, Regal dismisses him with an insult, of course, and hurries off to find Verity in yeah. the direction of the tower. So he's a little bit off on that. Yeah, Fitz <laughs> says, I hoped the climb would amuse him. <laughs> <laughs> and Fitz breaks into a run to get to the courtyard. And he gets there and sees Ketrickin atop a wagon seat, standing, every head turned up toward her. She wore the same clothes she had the night before. And by daylight, I could see how the spray of blood had marked the sleeve of the white fur jacket and how a heavier plume of it had soaked and stained her purple trousers. She was booted and hatted, ready to ride. A sword was buckled at her hip. Dismay rose in me. How could she? I glanced about, wondering what she had been saying. Every face was turned to her, eyes wide. I had emerged into a moment of utter silence. Every man and woman seemed to be holding breath, awaiting her next words. 
And Ketrikin is speaking to the crowd, mm-hmm. calming them down. Right. Why do you think this site dismays Fitz? A couple reasons I was kind of thinking on this. One is that he was trying to make her presentable to court. Mm-hmm. So having her in her trousers again, mm-hmm. having her with a sword out in bloody clothes, you know, commanding attention on herself is not blending in and not giving him help in his task. Right. Uh, number two is that it puts kind of a target on her back more so mm-hmm. um, just being new and he's tasked with protecting her. And she doesn't seem to have very many, like, attendants or guards around her or anything. Mm -hmm. And number three, he's expecting this crowd to still be merriment and boasting and going out to kill these forged ones. So he's like, she's joining this crowd to, you know, gallivant off into the woods to kill her own people. The very thing that Verity doesn't want to do. Because he stumbled into the middle of her speech. He doesn't know that the attitude is changing. Right. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that, that he might think that she's using this as... Yeah, joining it as, like, a an opportunity to be, like, a part of something, mm-hmm. you know? Be sacrifice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So she she says, this is not a hunt, I say. Put aside your merriment and boasts. Remove from your bodies every bit of jewelry, every sign of rank. Let your hearts be solemn and consider what we do. And she explains that they're going to claim casualties, that the red ships have already killed our kin. We're just claiming our bodies. Mm-hmm. Use clean kills. Don't shoot arrows. I know you're skilled enough to do this because we are doing this for our own folk, for our own kin. We'll bring these bodies back. Not vengeance, my people but surgery to be followed by a healing do as I say now. And the people followed her lead. They took off those ribbons, the, the medals, the ranks. Yeah. And I want to point out that she calls them her people earlier in the speech. She calls them my soldiers. She says they are in the red ship. People have infected us Let's get our people. She is including herself in this. And I think this is part of what makes this moment so powerful. Is that she's not saying, your people have been wronged and I'm here to lead you in revenge. She's saying, our people. I am your queen in waiting. I am your sacrifice. And what has happened to you is wrong. What has happened to us is wrong. And she's not even saying, these forged ones have hurt me. Let's get this rot out. It's... All of us. Yeah. And, and I think it's just so powerful. I love, I love this scene. I love her speeches. And I love her coming into herself as a queen and be, really becoming a good leader. She definitely practiced this speech. She mm-hmm. definitely thought about it. Uh, Fitz says, Her words were accented still with the flavor of the mountains, but a cool part of my mind observed how carefully chosen was each word how balanced each phrase. It is a fantastic speech. Uh, And after everyone takes off all their ornaments, she speaks again Mm -hmm. and lists out 
preparations that the folk need to do. We need wagons. We need, you know, funeral pyres built, wood gathered for that feasting, because we are mourning these people, and we will bring them back, identify them, give them a proper ending. Yeah. Not just animals to be killed in the woods. Yes. And she tells people, if you have tasks today, put them aside. Do what you can. It's very powerful. She's getting everyone involved. This isn't just soldiers. This is everyone. Because this is everyone's problem. And I think this is something that's sorely been lacking in the Farseer leadership. Because they're so segmented in their ways of thinking. Yeah. In how to deal with each group of people and how to address people in different ways and how we need to keep the separation. But in a time like this, separation just hurts more than pointing out all of the similarities and bringing them together. No body of our folk will be left to feed foxes or be pecked by crows. They will be brought back here, names noted if known, and prepared for the pyre that is to honor of those fallen in battle. If families be known and be near, they shall be summoned to the morning. To those who live far, word will be sent, and the, so- the honors due those who have lost their blood kin as soldiers. Tears ran unchecked, untouched down her cheeks. They glinted in the early winter sunlight like diamonds. Her voice thickened as she turned to command another group. My cooks and serving folk, set all tables in the great hall and prepare a funeral feast. Set the lesser hall with water and herbs and clean garments, that we may prepare the bodies of our folk for burning. All others leave your ordinary duties. Fetch wood and build a pyre. We shall return to bury our dead and mourn them. She gazed about, meeting every eye. Something in her face set. She drew the sword from her belt and pointed it aloft in an oath. When we have done with our grieving, we shall make ready to avenge them. Those who have taken our folk shall know our wrath. Slowly she lowered her blade, sheathed it cleanly. Again her eyes commanded us. And now we ride, my folk. And that rallies everyone. Yeah. It motivates everyone. It changes. The whole atmosphere changes. And... Regal is not happy about it. No. I do, I do want to say, uh, before we move on to that conversation, with impeccable timing, Birik was suddenly beside the wagon, with soft steps saddled and awaiting her rider. I went, wondered where he had gotten the black and red harness, the colors of grief and vengeance. I wondered if she had ordered it or if he had simply known. What do you think? Ooh, that's hard. But I think it might just be Burek. It might be. Maybe he had a couple saddles at the ready, and then she probably told him ahead of time, like, hey, I'm going to gather the bodies. I need something to mm-hmm. carry them in. Yeah. Um, and he was like, the red and black one it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he was like, he had impeccable timing and mm-hmm. stepped right in and was ready for his cue, basically. I mean, to be fair, he was chivalry is right-hand man, so... He has experience with these impassioned speeches and, uh-huh. like, this is where we go. Like, yep. This is what we do now. So I'm sure... I'm sure it was a lot, Burek. Mm-hmm. 
he probably it's probably mostly him. Not that Kedrickin wouldn't be capable, but I think she doesn't know customs enough. Like she probably wouldn't know that the colors possibly mean well maybe she does, but it just feels like a little detail that would be a little too small when you're dealing with yeah. there's about to be a mob of angry people going after their own people. <laughs> I think Ketrickin would have told him like what you said, yeah. get something ready for me. I'm going to ride tomorrow and then he recognized, like, oh, this is mm-hmm. this kind of thing. Grief and vengeance, yeah. it is. Um, because he would have to known that she was going to go. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but yeah, Regal is not happy about this. Stop her, hissed Regal behind me, and I spun to find that both he and Verity stood at my back, completely unnoticed by the crowd. No, I dared to breathe aloud. Cannot you feel it? Do not spoil it. She's given them something all back. I don't know what it is, but they have been sore missing it for a long time. It is pride, Verity said, his deep voice a rumble. What we have all been missing, and I most of all. There rides a queen. He continued in soft amazement. Was there a shade of envy there as well? He turned slowly and went quietly back into the keep. And it is. It is, like, it's pride because... At some point, you have to address the Forged Ones. Yeah. Shrewd has not at all. And the people have been living in limbo for a long time. And here is a leader coming before you and saying, this is a sickness that we're cutting out. We're laying our people down to rest. And it is the Red Ship Raiders' fault. We will bring vengeance on them later. But for now, we are grieving for our fallen comrades. Right. And... It's important because it gives them an enemy that isn't their own people. Right. Which has, I There's think... There's so much division in the Six Duchies. There is, and I think that's part of why the Red Ships have been kind of successful, is that everybody does have their own little place. Everybody has their own place. Coast versus inland. Mm-hmm. I mean, Coast Duchies versus Coast, coast Duchies. Yeah. Uh, out-islanders versus... Like, refugee out-islanders uh-huh. versus everybody... Regal's coterie versus everybody. (laughs) And so I think in doing this, in making this about everyone, and then also clearly outlining the true villain, it gives hope and understanding to people who can't quite wrap their head around... Common purpose of what they're doing now, what they can do to help, Mm -hmm. and what they're going to do in the future. And I think, I mean, not that I think it's the place of a leader to necessarily tell their people what to think, but I think sometimes it's important, especially when there's strife, to be able to quell infighting by saying, hey, we all have the same goal. We don't like that our people are being killed and attacked, but let's not attack each other. Let's help each other so that we can get over this. <laughs> yeah, all all good leaders can address their people and either give them a peace of mind and say we're going to take care of this mm-hmm. you don't have to worry yourselves about this issue or give them a direction yeah that this is where the nation is going this is what we have a purpose yeah like, we have a plan and that's what catcher can gives them at least in the short term mm-hmm. do you think she left verity's room and was like well he's no help i gotta do this myself and then just started Planning on her own? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like she told him anything that she was going to do. No. Yeah, I mean, that's probably to be fair, pretty much what she did. He, ha- 
hasn't been very helpful. So true. true. <laughs> so I guess might as well just do it yourself. And Regal is confronting Verity here. So Verity turns into the castle, and Regal hastens to stop himself right in front of her, in front of him, excuse me, and says. How can you have allowed this to happen? Have you no control over that woman at all? She makes mockery of us. Who is she to thus issue commands and to take out an, an armed guard from the keep? Who is she to decree all of this so high-handedly? Regal's voice cracked in his fury. My wife. <laughs> My wife, Verity said mildly. mildly. And your queen-in-waiting, the one you chose. Father assured me you would choose a woman worthy to be a queen. I think you picked better than you knew. Verity knows, like, what Regal was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, Ketrickin surprised him. Ketrickin surprised everybody. Yeah. I yeah. think myself included when I first read this. Um, in a good way, though. Mm-hmm. Well, not to Regal, but... But also, <laughs> I want to point out that in Regal's little stance here, he is putting all the blame on Verity. How did you allow this to happen? Have you no control? She's making a mockery of us. Like, it's Such our problem. Such a Chelsea way of thinking. <laughs> yes. Control your woman. Gross. But also, it's so strange to me, because this is all due to his actions. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> yeah. none of this would have happened if he wouldn't have left her in a storm. Yep. So how is this now Verity's fault? But nothing can ever be his own fault, because Regal's perfect, so... It's just really interesting, and I wonder if this is how his mother talked to him, or if this is how his mother talked about his brothers to him. Probably. Probably both. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, he calls him names. Yeah. And... Says that she's going to steal the power, and calls Ketrickin a mountain vixen. Like, I will not let a mountain vixen steal the crown. Yeah. Yeah. Your wife, your undoing, you ass. She undermines you. She cuts your throat as you sleep. She steals their hearts. She builds her own name. Cannot you see it, you dolt? You may be content to let that mountain vixen steal the crown, but I am not. Okay, Regal. I turned aside hastily and bent to retie my shoe so I could not witness that Prince Verity struck Prince Regal. I did hear something very like the crack of an open-handed blow to a man's face and a bitten-off cry of fury. He is so angry. Yeah, I mean, because he sees somebody else doing what he cannot do. Right. He thinks that Ketrikin is there to steal the power that he wants, and because he's trying to steal. Because he's measuring her bushels with his yeah. wheat or whatever the saying is. <laughs> I wonder how many times we've gotten that saying wrong and what the different versions are. <laughs> Too many times, but I like it anyway. Um, but I think this is the one of the few times we really get a peek into Regal's mind. This is how he views the world. This isn't just Ketrickin he's viewing through this lens. But also, he's probably disgusted that somebody had the audacity to just go up and lead as a decent person instead of backstabbing the courtway and it's working <laughs> right not only did she do something kind of crazy but it's working and people are actually responding to it and nobody probably responds that well to him i mean sure he has followers 
But there's a difference between a yes man and a real leader commanding a crowd. Right. And I'm sure he can tell. And he has people that just won't listen to him, I'm sure. Because number one, he's not king in waiting. But number two, because he's a horrible person and who would want to listen to him? So, well, I'm sure people would listen to him in a band because he is a prince and there is still like that right, regimented right. thing. But you can see the difference between obeying an orders and like willingly changing your mind about, you know, something and willingly following somebody's example that they're setting. Right. Like you said, you yeah. can tell what a real leader looks like mm-hmm. when they're giving an impassioned speech. I wonder if this is a little bit of his own self-doubt creeping in. Yeah, a little bit of jealousy. It's another mirror being held up to say, look at what you could be if you were a decent human being, Regal. But alas. He doesn't see it, though. So, Well, I'm sure he does in this moment, and it makes him mad. Right. And that's partially where some of the anger comes from, maybe. Baird responds uh, after hitting Regal. Uh, allegedly hitting Regal. <laughs> allegedly. For legal purposes. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> King-in-waiting Verity will brook no result- insults to Queen-in-waiting Ketrikin, or even to himself. I said my lady had reawakened pride in our soldiers. Perhaps she has stirred mine as well. Verity looked mildly surprised as he considered this. The king will hear of this. Regal took his <laughs> hand away from his face and looked aghast at the blood on it. Nobody makes me spill my own blood. Bleed my own blood. Nobody. <laughs> the fleur. <laughs> <laughs> my father will see this blood you have shed. He quavered and choked on the blood coursing through from his nose. <laughs> what? You intend to bleed all the way to this afternoon when our father arises? If you can manage that, come and show me as well. <laughs> This is so brotherly in such an interesting way because Regal is trying to be so conniving here. The king, my father. And then he's like, oh, you mean our dad who's asleep until noon every day? Good luck. (laughs) But I don't know. It's It's like two brothers off at college and like they get in a fight and one punches the other one like, "Ah, our parents will hear about this. Like, they're like 10 states away right now. What are they going to (laughs) do? Go for it, bud. (laughs) Yells at Fitz to get going and see Uh to the queen's preparations. Right. (laughs) But I do want to say, before we move on from this Regal section, that I kind of feel bad for Regal. Not because he's in the right in any way, but because it feels like he truly views everyone as an enemy. Yeah, he does. either someone he can use... Or someone who needs to die. He was not raised in a great environment and has been completely brainwashed and honestly taught that everyone is an enemy and he is the only true good person around. Right. It's kind of crazy. And imagine living your life thinking everyone is out to get you. That how would you ever have any enjoyment in life? Like you just couldn't. You couldn't ever feel at peace with anyone and it's sad because even his own sibling he's like yeah sure you probably want to kill me too but in this moment this will hurt my throne so i have to protect you because you're too dumb to see that everybody's trying to kill us because we're royalty yeah (laughs) and it's 
I don't know. I just, it really does make me feel bad for Regal. Even if he's still a horrible person and I do not agree with anything that he does. Right. That's the power of well-written characters. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Fitz goes off to help with these preparations Mm -hmm. and he sees a couple different things. One, that everyone is obeying, first of all. Mm -hmm. And two, that the women who were attaching themselves to Queen Ketrikin and were allies to Ketrikin before this happened, mm-hmm. found themselves as if they were shadows of the queen herself with their own attendants and things like that. And they're not scrupling to go to the lesser commons. Yeah, the, the lesser going, hall. Yeah. yeah, they're going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which is... And supervising the, the right. preparations. But still, Who it's... Who knows what com- they were actually doing. But. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's uncommon. Noble ladies yeah. don't need to do work. Right. And they're taking Ketrickin's example, which I think is great that mm-hmm. she's, like, empowering women. <laughs> Personally, I think it's great. But it's, like, really cool to you see... You said that, like, I think that would be bad <laughs> or something. <laughs> Obviously. No, I know. Uh, like, Chelsea is the best place in the six duchies, actually. <laughs> Excuse actually? me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is great to see, though, because yeah. they, they are taking that example, like you said, and mm. even if they are probably enjoying their newfound fame and and a little bit more power they are using that power to go and help right to go and prepare for this solemn day right well because they very easily could have not done that right or looked down on the preparations and been like oh that's not for me and no one would really missed them no it's just Fitz who was trained as a spy is like oh these people actually came down i'll have to note that in my mind and i think it's it's really cool that they're getting to see for themselves what it's like to do something for yourself to and take pride. for the people. Yeah. Yes, and <laughs> to do something that isn't just a busy work task. And I'm glad that they get this opportunity, and I'm glad that Ketrikin has become friendly enough with them to give them the courage to do that. Right. So... And the preparations are all complete. Fitz was hauling wood for a little bit for the funeral pyre. And the hunt returns. They are coming in quietly, riding in a solemn guard around the wagons they escorted. Ketrikin rode at their head. They looked tired and frozen in a way that had nothing to do with the cold. I wanted to go to her, but did not steal the honor as Beric came to take her horse's head and assist her dismount. Fresh blood splattered her boots and soft steps shoulders. She had not ordered her soldiers to do that which she would not do herself. This is what Verity could have done. Yeah. This is how Verity has always been. Mm-hmm. He's one of the soldiers' men. Yeah. He is with them. He does what they do. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. And instead of viewing this as an opportunity to show that part of himself to the whole castle to all of Buck. <laughs> it's Ketrickin who's taking up the the lead. And I wonder a little bit if they're too similar to get along, but this is what he could have been if he had been raised in a loving family that didn't always put all of their eggs in the one basket. I think the family was loving except for his stepmom right. and, and stepbrother. Or half-brother, excuse me. (laughs) But I mean, I'm sure he has constantly heard his whole life. Yeah, but it's chivalry. It's chivalry. It's chivalry. Uh It's all about... And 
Well, it doesn't matter that you did bad on that test because chivalry is going to be king. You know, like that attitude Mm -hmm. probably affected him a lot. And I don't know. I just think it's a beautiful thing to see two characters who are so similar and yet act so very differently. Right. Because if Verity had known this was going to happen, he would be out there doing this too, I'm sure. Yeah. But also, since he did see it, he didn't want to upstage like... Right. Ketrickin or go out there with her because then he would be expected to speak and, and he'd be taking it away from her, which yeah. she would probably not find well. And he's not a very good public speaker, it seems he's like. Not. He's not. So I'm sure. 100% he's not. <laughs> so I'm sure it was not exciting for him, the prospect of him having to rally the troops. But I could imagine if chivalry was alive and this happened and chivalry was the one out there giving this speech mm-hmm. verity would ride along with them oh, yeah. to do this like you could he definitely see him within this and yes he could have and he didn't even have to give a speech he probably just put that in his own mind of right. well if i go then i'm upstaging her instead of figuring out a way in which he could have gone to support her and not upstage her cuz it says that after he saw that and after he dressed down regal he goes talk to Shrewd for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then he stays in his map room until they come back. Yeah. Probably moping. Yeah, probably, honestly. Well, I wonder, because he does go see Shrewd first, if Regal got to Shrewd first, and so he got kind of a, don't hit your brother, you know? Probably not super severe in any way, but... Maybe. I, I think, I mean, I think Verity gets there first. You think so? Yeah. Mm. Or at least... They get there at the same time and have a discussion about what happened. <laughs> yeah. But I'm wondering if Verity went to his map room and just skilled out and oh, rode yeah. along with them. If he was there too, just... I'm sure he did. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't even think about that. Kind of sad. Yeah. Always in the minds of his people, but never known. Ketrickin rides in and... Fitz approaches her quietly, says, if you have need, my lady, my lady queen, excuse me, he adds the queen on there. Mm -hmm. She did not turn. I must do this myself, but be close in case I need you. She spoke so quietly, I'm sure none heard her but myself. She takes off her blood splattered clothes after telling everybody else to go change the soldiers Mm -hmm. and just says to everyone, bring in the dead, bring in our dead. Yeah. And they start carrying them in, washing the bodies and undressing them and wrapping them in a clean cloth. Mm-hmm. She herself washes every face. Mm-hmm. And Verity is there with a scribe and they're taking down descriptions and names if people know them. Mm-hmm. And they're going through everybody. Yeah. And one of the people, Fitz knows. Fitz supplies the name to one forged one himself, Carrie. The last Molly and I had known of this street boy, he had gone off as a puppeteer's apprentice. He'd ended his days as little more than a puppet. His laughing mouth was stilled forever. And that was one of the friends that they had on the, had on the docks. Yeah. The days we had shared, I alone would remember now. I suddenly felt less real. Part of my past forged away from me. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. And that would be hard. I mean, obviously, you're expecting to see dead bodies in this situation. 
but probably not the dead body of your childhood friend. Right. Like you probably, I'm sure he ha- didn't even think that Carrie was even in a position to be in danger. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's traveling with puppeteers, but they're probably staying away from forged towns. And there's a lot more forged ones here than Verity had thought from his uh, skilling out and getting reports in. And they don't they didn't count how many, but it was a lot. And Verity, after they cleaned all of them and wrote all these descriptions down, reads those descriptions and the names out to everybody gathered. It says that if any did not weep, they had hearts of stone. This is this is the whole city grieving. Yeah. This is their process. This is what they're doing. This is what Ketrickin said that we are going to do. Yeah. As a people, we lifted our dead and carried them to the funeral pyre to set them carefully atop this last bed. Verity himself brought the torch for the kindling, but he handed it off to the queen, who waited beside the pyre. As she set flames to the pitch-laden bows, she cried out to the dark skies, You shall not be forgotten! All echoed her with a shout. Blade, the old sergeant, stood beside the pyre with shears to take from every soldier a finger's length lock of hair, a symbol of the mourning for a fallen comrade. Verdi joined the queue, and Ketrickin stood behind him to offer up a pale lock of her own hair. Just a quick question that kind of ruins the mood. <laughs> Did they take a finger's length worth of hair off around the whole head, or just one section? I think just one section. It's just a little, little bit... I was thinking about it, and I don't know why, but every time I read a finger's length of hair in my head, I see, like, around an inch or, like, less than an inch for whatever reason. And then I, like, actually today looked at my finger and went, that's kind of a bit more. <laughs> that's kind of longer than I thought. And it dep- I mean, what if you have big hands? What if the guy cutting their hair has really big hands? Right. That's, I mean, I don't know. Not the most important <laughs> thing, obviously, in this moment. <laughs> But just the thoughts that filter through my head. I'm wondering if everybody got bowl cuts. Well, (laughs) it would take much longer that way, but also wouldn't it look a little funky if you just have one? And then every time somebody dies, are you using the same strand or do you go to a different side of your hair? You know, like, (laughs) I'm just curious about these things. And then after they uh, had a party, kind of. Yeah. Celebrating the life and and what was going to happen in the future. Right. They wait until the pyre has burnt down to ashes. To eat. Yeah, they're fasting. Mm -hmm. The whole time they follow Ketrickin's example. But yeah, then it's the party. They put picnic tables out on the lawn. The Great Hall, the Lesser Hall, and the Courtyard are all full, and everyone is welcome to come. And most people do from the city and the keep. Right. And... It says, kegs of drink were rolled out, and such a setting out of bread and roasted meat and other viands as I have not even imagined that Buckkeep possessed. Later, I was to learn that much of it had simply come up from the town, unsought, but offered freely. This is what good leaders bring out in people! (laughs) Common purpose. A common feeling. And look at how generously these people gave of what little they had to give. Now, just imagine 
if there was a leader like this this whole time, how much easier it would be to raise funds for this dumb war. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying, if we could have utilized Ketrickin's knowledge and power earlier, it may have helped. <laughs> and everyone is at this party, pretty much. The king has descended. The fool is there, muting his bells. And they eat. Regal is there in uh, a very black... It says, In so sumptuous a costume of black that only the color denoted any sort of moaning... Or mourning, excuse me. He scowled and sulked and drank, and I suppose for some, his surly silence passed for grieving. For me, I could sense the anger seething within him, and knew that someone, somewhere, would pay for what he saw as insult to himself. A little bit more of what you said before, like he sees everyone against him. Yeah. This celebration and coming together as a people is bad for him because he's not the one who suggested it. And he doesn't do well, it seems, when everyone's coming together. I don't know why. Oh, it's like he thrives in strife and... (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) The only way to get to the crown is if there's strife, I suppose. But after they finished eating, at least the, the high table finished eating... King Shrewd gave a speech, pretty sparse, not mentioning the hunting that they did that day or the forged ones or the forging in any sense, but talking as if they had lost soldiers and these were victims to a a red ship battle Mm -hmm. and talking of the red ship raiders. And he spoke as though we just must remember these victims Mm -hmm. in this war. And then he pleaded fatigue and grief and he left the table to return to his own chambers and then Verity rose and gave a speech basically saying again what Ketrickin had said earlier in the hunt when he was listening to her yeah. saying that we're grieving now but in the future mm-hmm. we're bringing vengeance to the Red Ship Raiders yeah. it's remarks that he lacked the fire and impassionment of Ketrickin's earlier speech but I could see all at table responding to it People who weren't there in the courtyard get this new speech of, like, this is what's going on. Yeah. And the people who were there see a reflected sentiment in their couple, in their king and queen Mm -hmm. in waiting. That they agree. They have the same mindset. Yeah. And this is where Faraday doesn't really show his speaking skills. Right. He's not a skilled orator. But... He got the job done. Right. And it's important. I mean, they're seeing their leader say, hey, what happened isn't right, but we're going to give it right back to him. Yep. I imagine there's finger guns at the end. (laughs) It's just a little awkward. And everybody's like, sure, okay." (laughs) Verity and Ketrickin left the table late that night, she on his arm, and they made sure that all marked how they left together. Regal remained drinking and muttering to himself. I myself slipped away shortly after Verity and Ketrickin left to seek my own bed. So Fitz goes back to his room, doesn't try to fall asleep. He's just kind of staring at the fire. And rose immediately when the door to Chade's chambers opens up. Right. And he is super happy and excited about what is happening. He is all energized and Chade is just ready to go with this. 
His gray hair was wild, his green eyes glittered like gems. He was pacing about his chambers, and as I entered, he actually seized me in a rough embrace. He stepped back and laughed aloud at my shocked expression. She was born to rule! Born to it! And somehow now, she has awakened to it! It could not have come at a better time. She may yet save us all. His exultation was unholy in its glee. And Fitz is like, there's a lot of people who died today. Why are yeah. you so happy, old man? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, Fitz really can't step away from the grief and sorrow of what has happened to look at the bigger picture at this time, which is fair. I mean, he just spent all day dressing dead people yes. for a pyre. Yeah. So... Not exactly the time for introspection. <laughs> Chade being removed as he is, mm -hmm. uh, really, it, it lends himself to thinking of the future and what is actually coming about this. Right. Which helps him a lot in his role. Yeah. As an advisor. Sure. And Chade is saying, you know, those, those deaths were not in vain. Ketrickin has the instinct and the grace. I had not suspected it in her. Now had we still your father alive, boy, and him paired with her on the throne, we could have a pair as could cup the whole world in their hands. So this is where there's two characters now who are comparing Ketrikin today and chivalry of the past. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I mean, would Ketrikin have paired well with chivalry? Would they have paired them up? There's mm -hmm. two... Chivalry is two years older than Verity, even, and I guess it's still a royal match right. marriage, so it could have happened. Yeah, but. It's not about love, per se. Um, I think he would have been married too long ago to have made this a useful marriage for him. That's true. If patience didn't exist in this scenario, he would have had a different marriage that was adventurous. Yeah. advantageous to the throne um i think also as jade points out nobody expected her to be this good of a leader right yeah so i don't know that they would have even thought of her as a queen mm -hmm. to go after if it hadn't been for regal's scheming to get more land for himself <laughs> right so honestly they probably would have picked someone from the inland duchies mm -hmm. to further tie the two, the coastal and the inland together. Right. Which probably would have been a little bit more dangerous, honestly, but... Um, <laughs> well, if Chivalry was still alive, I think Regal wouldn't have been so easily shifting around in the court and doing all this thing, all these know. things. How do we know that he's not the one who killed his brother in the first place? We don't know his mom did that. We don't really know who True. did it. Or who ordered it done. True. I don't think Regal's... Pretty sure it was Desire, though. <laughs> I mean, fair... But I don't think chivalry still being alive would have stopped Regal's ambitions. Right. But, yeah, I don't know. I think this is part of the reason why I feel like Verity is the way that he is. And also why he doesn't have Chade to even lean on, because Chade is constantly and very obviously comparing him to his brother. Right, yeah. And probably out loud comparing him to his brother, because <laughs> we all know Chade does not have a filter. <laughs> That's so, true. That is true. Chivalry would have done it already or have thought of this idea himself. And uh, I don't know. But also, I think it's supposed to be a great compliment to Ketrickin that she's 
as good of a leader as yeah. chivalry what chivalry the great <laughs> chivalry the great yes that's true i mean he is i mean obviously he's complimenting her here mm-hmm. he is extremely happy that someone has shown instinctive leadership qualities that they need they desperately need and jade has recognized that they desperately need a leader in these times yeah so he is capering around he has a feast up in his room right now Mm-hmm. you know i do quickly want to point out i think the reason everyone is so surprised at ketrickin's abilities and success is that up until this point ketrickin has been trying to do everything the buckkeep way she's been trying to be a a, a noble lady of this area she has been doing what Verity does in playing to her weaknesses. She hasn't been allowed or given the opportunity to do things that are in her strength. That's a good thought. And I think that shes it's surprising to everyone else because they've only seen her do subpar at something she's not naturally good at. Right. Which I think is a little bit of the disappointment in Verity. He's doing subpar in a role that is perfect for someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's so energized later to go on the quest. Right. To find the elderlings and why he sticks at it and has that singular purpose in his mind and mm-hmm. carves a dragon pretty much by himself, which is freaking miraculous. I mean, Fitz does it too. <laughs> it runs in the family. Yeah, but he needs night eyes. Who has a whole other lifetime of memories that he pours right. all into there. And he needs the fool to make it realized. True. Verity does use Kettle as well, but spending, what, like a full year carving a dragon by yourself, which is usually only done by a coterie. Right. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. But it, yes, you're right. It does run in the family. Fitz has also had a lot of memories that he can give. But <laughs> Yeah. No, I don't know. I just... I think it is interesting to me how surprised everyone acts because to me reading this I've seen this in ability in her the whole time and I don't know if that's tinged by the fact that I've read this before and I mean she does she is a child she's a teen and she's moody and moping and doesn't do super well in every situation but I think her her want to be a sacrifice, her need to do something. The fact that the first time she meets Fitz, she's like willing to poison him on site, no information needed. I'm not that surprised that she's able to lead in such a ferocious way. Yeah, I mean, she has proven that she can take the initiative on things, but I think your mindset is a little tinged on rereading. Fair. Because if you think about it, we get... Her impetuously poisoning someone. Right. Where their advisor and Rurisk both <laughs> chastise her, like, this was not the way to do this. This right. was incorrect. And then we see her, yes, being very strong on the night of her brother's death, mm-hmm. which is a little peak of what she can be and what she can do and her resolve in leading. But then we don't see, like, any other thing besides her want to be a sacrifice and then we hear from other people no she she's just asking questions she's not doing her role here she's not doing anything this is the first time we actually see her step up to the plate and do the whole act of leading and taking charge and doing it correctly well yes but also 
she's not she's still not doing the correct thing in the eyes of like a noble lady and so right but doing the correct thing for a leader right right i don't know i just it's probably because i've already read this and i love this chapter and i love how (laughs) strong she is and how she had to do this herself in a foreign country in a, a language she doesn't even speak natively i'm sure Although, who knows, she probably learned it from birth. But still, it's not her first language. Right. And she still empowered an entire city mm-hmm. to come together in a time when they have not been able to do that yet. And I don't know. I just it makes me a little sad that everybody's like, I can't believe she did that. And I guess, I mean, they don't really have any frame of reference, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you yourself said that you were surprised that this happened the first time you were reading through. So yeah. I, I think it's... We we know what Ketrikan is. Yes. And what she becomes later and where she takes this. But first time reading through it, I think it's more like, wow. Yeah. Like, she can actually lead. That's awesome. And then... Yeah. I know for the first time I read through this... Um, Chade's attitude was kind of infectious because you, you kind of are in Fitz's head the whole time and you're like why why is he so excited and then he explains everything mm-hmm. that she has the knack for you know taking these situations and turning it on its head to be something good and you're like you're in Fitz's mind you're like wow you, you think she's calculated and things and yeah. Chade's like no I think she did it from the heart but this is what we need. Yeah. This is perfect. This is exactly what we've been looking for, and it will help the six duchies. And you kind of get that infectious, like, yeah, yeah, Ketchikan's awesome. Let's go. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but yeah, he is. It is infectious. It is nice that they're like, hey, she's actually going to help a lot. Mm-hmm. This is great. <laughs> and like I said, Fitz does continue to question Chade's attitude here and Chade's like I don't know how many died but I will find out I will be the one who sends all the letters all the blood gold I will contact the families I know the personal cost of all of this loss but I also know what this has gained us yeah and Fitz is like I beg pardon it was just that you seemed so merry when I first entered and merry I am as you should be We have been rudderless and drifted, pounded by the waves and pushed by every wind. And now comes a woman to take the tiller and cry the course. I find it a course full to my liking, as shall everyone in the kingdom who has sickened these past years from being always on our knees. We rise, boy, we rise to fight. And Fitz sees that all of this joy was backed by fury and grief and this is finally something he can look forward to finally Mm -hmm. something that Chade can be like we have a direction Mm -hmm. that i've from the shadows trying to been pushed but i i can't do anything i see where we need to go but Chade himself is powerless in this sense Mm -hmm. because they need a visible leader to take the reins right and also i mean i'm sure they don't know, he doesn't know the best answer and he doesn't know how people are going to respond. It's all speculation. Right. He yeah. has a lot of knowledge and mm-hmm. years behind him, but still you never know. These are real people. And sometimes it just takes somebody with an outside perspective to come in 
and shine a light on the thing that you weren't thinking about at all. And a lot of passion, too. Jade has a lot of passion, but it doesn't translate into impassioned speeches mm-hmm. and motivating people. It It's for manipulation and planning. Yes. And that planning and calculation isn't what the six duchies needed. It was right. Ketrakin. Yeah. And it is good that he points out that just because someone... or. Just because something happening is advantageous for someone doesn't mean that they did it in a malicious way. Right. You can naturally come upon things that help yourself. Mm -hmm. It just takes a lot of skill to be able to work it in a way that you're passionate about that helps others become passionate about it, too. She took an unavoidable, unmentionable situation and made high tragedy of what might have been simple slaughter in lesser hands. Boy, we have a queen. A queen again at Buckkeep. Do you think Shrewd's first wife was a queen similar to this? Yes. 100%. Uh, She keeps getting mentioned. Queen Constance. Mm -hmm. One, Patience loved her. Right. And she uh, befriended Patience when Patience was just a child and not even dating chivalry yet Mm -hmm. and we keep hearing references of like patients mentioning that the court before queen desire was the same way she like had women do things hod came from queen constance's retinue Mm -hmm. and like all of these different things of she was a queen who knew how to rule her court and what was going on and the best way to do that and empower people to make the decisions and it was, I mean, it was peace times mostly. There right. were disputes with borders and solidifying duchy borders and things mm-hmm. like that. But they weren't constantly at war. So she had a little bit of helping along the way, I guess. But I, mm-hmm. from everything that I gather in the books, Queen Constance was also a very strong leader and probably a very great match with King Shrewd. That's fair. Ah, what could have been. (laughs) So, Jade has turned Fitz around on this feeling of grief and excited him about the future. Mm -hmm. And they discuss a little bit more about that future, how the king again has told Jade to tell Fitz, double the guard in Ketrakin. And Fitz is like, well, his mind is going and he repeats stuff. And Jade's like, I know, but this was not him repeating things repeating things because he forgot to or he forgot he already mentioned it this Mm -hmm. was specifically like make sure she's guarded because putting herself in that crowd in that leadership role has put a target on her back for enemies which Fitz points out as regal and Mm -hmm. uh shades like prince regal (laughs) and then also they have a conversation about speaking treason out loud again right another conversation Right. Well, Fitz points out that obviously he's the only one we all have to fear because he's the only one that we know of that has willingly put the crown at risk Mm -hmm. um, for his own gain. And this conversation is interesting to me because Jade takes this road of we don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. Don't bad talk royalty. And I wonder if it's a little bit like if he becomes king, we're, we have to be loyal to him. But the thing is, if if Regal did become king, he would kill you both in a heartbeat and replace you with his own people. There's no... 
There's no world in which Regal's going to be like, oh, cool, you're you're loyal to me because I'm on the throne. Perfect. Okay. No. <laughs> and I don't think Fitz would follow him or be loyal. So. Right. Fitz says, why don't we speak of this? Why may not we at least once speak plain to one another? And Chade replies, to one another we might if we were entirely alone and it concerned only you and me. But such is not the case. We are kingsmen sworn, and kingsmen do not entertain even thoughts of treason. Let alone... Dot dot dot. And then there was a gagging noise because Slink has been eating a bunch of the food that was there. And he throws up, and Slink was poisoned. Yes. Very sad. Very sad. He's not dead, though. He's not dead, no. He just tasted the poison and spit it out and threw up the rest of the food but it's another talk of treason that they've had and and like you said shade does latch onto this like we we need to be loyal because we were king's men he takes his oath extremely seriously and for fits it's shades of gray like we're king's men so we have to keep the kingdom safe and that means recognizing one of the king's own family as an enemy and mm-hmm. shades like we're king's men this is the king's family he uh-huh. is part of the royalty. We have to be aware of it, yes, but we can't speak it out loud until it's actually real and we have evidence. Right. And even then, we can't do anything about it, so just don't think about it at well, all. Well, there isn't evidence that they can bring before Regal at this point. That's true. Shade, as a person, knows what happened and knows what happened to Fitz and everything is real, just like Verity knows Right. Like a person, but he also knows that Shrewd got a promise out of him, and he has to obey Shrewd's commands of not pushing this any further. I'm sure Shrewd got a promise from Chade saying, "Don't kill my son," the same Fair. that he got from Fitz. But also, hear me out. Why does there have to be proof when everybody knows Regal did it? And on top of that, nobody else has to have proof of wrongdoing before Fitz goes off and kills him for the king. Why isn't this the same? Why isn't... The first one, because there would be a civil war, and they can't have that right now. Okay, well, they can poison him in a way that it doesn't look... They know the <laughs> techniques. They can do it. Because Shrew doesn't want that to happen. Well, Shrew doesn't have to know. <laughs> it's for the best of the kingdom. Then that's treason. That's the whole point uh. of Shade. <laughs> that's the, all of Shade's points it right there. It is the season for a little bit of treason. <laughs> Treason's greetings. <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah they they find out that slink has been poisoned eating the sausage that was left in lady time's room as a gift to lady time yep and fitz is freaking out because well, he was poisoned and he has ptsd from that right and chade makes the snide remark they put po- they put the poison in the spice sausage because we wouldn't taste it uh, let's hope they didn't poison the wine, which is how Fitz was literally poisoned. Yeah. <laughs> so, not a great thing to say, even in jest, which I'm sure it was. Or just without thinking. That's how Chade kind of is, no filter. But it really spent, sends Fitz down a spiral. He cannot focus. He's just sitting there thinking, oh my god, am I poisoned right now? What's my body doing? Do I feel twitches coming on? Mm-hmm. Is my mouth burning? And Chade's like, stop it. Chade said quietly, sit down, drink some water. You're doing this to yourself, Fitz. That bottle was well sealed with an old cork. If the wine was poisoned, it was done years ago. I know a few men with the patience to poison a bottle of wine and then age it. 
I think we're fine. So he does know men who would do it, though. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. Probably himself as well. Yeah, honestly. It's like I, he's, he's racking his brain right now. Where did I get this wine? Okay, it was really old. Did I break into one of my own poison wine bottles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it is, it would be scary. I mean. And then following that conversation, Fitz points out it was Regal. He did this. I told you he believes she is the king's poisoner, meaning Lady Time. How could you have been so careless? You know he blames Lady Time for his mother's death. Shall we be so polite as to let him kill us all? He will not stop until the throne is his. And I tell you again, I will hear nothing of treason. Jade all but shouted the words. He sat down in his chair and cradled Slink in his lap. The little beast sat up, tidied his whiskers, and then curled up again to compose himself for sleep. I watched Jade's pale hand, the standing tendons, the paper skin, as he stroked his small pet. He looked only at the weasel, his face closed. After a moment, he spoke more calmly. I think our king was right. We should all redouble our caution, and not just for Ketrikin, or ourselves. He lifted tortured eyes to mine. Watch over your women, boy. Neither innocence nor ignorance is any protection against this night's work. Patience, Molly, even Lacey, find a way, a subtle way, to give Beric warning as well. He sighed, asked of no one. Have we not enemies enough outside our walls? A plenty, I assured him, but I said no more of Regal to him. <sighs> Chade knows, like I said, he knows mm -hmm. in his head that it was probably Regal. Yeah. Probably 80% to 90% Regal. But he can't speak that out loud because it is treason and going against all of his life's work for the right. king. And also... But he's frustrated with it. Yeah. And also, I mean, he knows if he says anything, it's going to rile Fitz up more. Yeah. So he has to be the adult in the situation and be like, we're not talking about it. Yes. And he knows that there's enough enemies outside that he doesn't want to deal with more in the inside. But at the same time, he's he knows to tell Fitz, like, make sure everyone is mm -hmm. safe because he will try to kill everyone, basically, to hurt you. But also, Fitz has a point. Pretending this isn't happening isn't going to save them. Oh, yeah. It's a and, blind side of Chades, for sure. And I love the line, are we going to be so polite as to let him murder us all? Because that's what everybody seems to be willing to do. Mm -hmm. They're so scared of the decorum and how it looks and whether or not it's treason in this weird gray area of what do we do. And that's where Regal is thriving and how he's able to do all this and how he's so emboldened because no one is doing anything to him. At the very least, they don't have to poison him to kill him. They could, there's poisons that I'm sure make him a cripple right. or take away his mind from him. He's still alive. He's just no longer at full capacity. And why can't they do that, at least? Why is that not... Why is his crimes up until this point not a good enough justification for at least that? Why can't he lose an arm or a leg? I would love that, too. But at the same time, Jade knows that they're at a war, and Verity seems to be kind of failing at certain things or, like, getting wasted away by the skill. So if he dies, there's no heir to the throne. Yeah. Literally no line, and then... There's going to be chaos, another a civil war, probably yeah. people vying for the next throne or is Fitz going to be propped up there and then there would be a bastard on the throne and probably civil war. Like there's right. Jade, Jade is such is, is thinking so far ahead that that's, 
Yeah. He literally can't risk any status quo change at all. Otherwise, he might upset the future that might happen. He's so locked in his own, like, we need to keep the six touchies safe no matter what. That's, I mean, okay, good point. I hadn't been thinking about, because I know how this ends, I guess I didn't think about it in the context of, in their minds, they don't know what's going on, and for all they know, Verity could die tomorrow, so they do have to keep Regal around for that reason, and I guess I can understand that. (laughs) But knowing what I know... (laughs) Right. How could you be so stupid? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen the future and I know you're being an idiot. (laughs) And then Shade drops the bomb that he's leaving for a journey. He's traveling. Uh, Fitz asks where. And um, Shade replies in a Shade-like fashion, of course. Where I need to go. Now I think I need almost as much to stay. He shook his head to himself. Take care of yourself while I'm gone, boy. I won't be about to watch over you. How often do you think Chade has stopped a potential threat to Fitz without anybody knowing? Mm. This line really made me think about it because we don't ever really see Chade doing anything. We don't. Fitz never remarks of, of Chade having any sort of sway in what happens to him. We know. That he talks with Shrewd about, Chade talks with Shrewd about Fitz, but we don't know to what end or what he gets out of that or saves Fitz from having to do. Yeah. But. I don't know. The way he says, and he did warn Fitz that he didn't have eyes with Galen. Yeah. So he has to keep tabs on Fitz. Oh, yeah, he knows everything in the castle, 100%. But but I just wonder how many times he's intercepted poison that Mm. was meant to go to Fitz or distracted a noble at a perfect time by sneezing in the wall or something, you know, like... Yeah, I don't know. I've never really thought about it until rereading and seeing this line. Could be a lot more than we think. Yeah. But again, it's one of those things that we have no way of... Yeah. ...knowing. Slightly implied. Yeah. Where do you think he goes? I think we know later, but I I looked ahead in the book and I got to the chapter where he comes back, but Fitz is recovering from cleaning out the the king's smoke mm, in yeah. the fireplace. So he's drugged for like all day. So he, he's like falling asleep and Chade doesn't tell him. I didn't get further than that. So I don't remember if um, we know. I don't really remember either you want to speculate (laughs) (laughs) speculate and see how wrong we are when everybody emails us yeah (laughs) um hmm. i wonder if no i was gonna say if this is when he goes to get the girl who is forged but that was a long time ago yeah um i wonder if he's going to the inner duchies to do a little bit of spy networking Mm, maybe See if civil war war is a brewing. Doesn't sound like anything I remember, but it's what I'm going with. <laughs> yeah, I I honestly have no ideas. My first thought was maybe the Mountain Kingdom to gather information about something, but that doesn't make sense to me. So unless it is the Mountain Kingdom, and he's going to see about the elderlings, maybe as a viable but option for help. I'm pretty sure that was mostly Ketrikin who brought that up, right? 
I don't remember. But how did she remember it unless something was placed? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. She probably knew more. If you guys remember, please chime in and let us know. Because uh, obviously we don't remember where he went. Yeah. And I think in like chapter 15 or something, he comes back and he's looking very... Uh, like 10 years younger he has color on his face and he's moving with energy because he was outside and doing stuff yeah it's good to be outside right and he doesn't say where he came from so maybe maybe i'll read ahead like ahead of chapter 15 and try to find if they say it but i don't remember if he does and it might be hidden in like one line somewhere yeah, true <laughs> right so fitz is kind of incredulous that Chade is leaving, mm-hmm. and he takes Chade's warning to heart here right. to guard the ones that you love. Well, he thinks about how he had that bravado earlier with Regal in not allowing him to move him and mm-hmm. telling him to go search the tower, knowing full well Verity wasn't there, and thinks, why was I so stupid, Why Obviously. would I provoke a yeah. sleeping viper, basically? Yeah. So he immediately goes down to his room and goes to Molly's bedchamber. He does change first. He does change. Freshens up. Yes. Into fresh clothes. (laughs) And is going there to make sure she's okay. Because he's worried. Right. Immediately. And he taps on the door, no response. So he opens it up. He unlocks it. Picks the lock. Super simple. Mm -hmm. And then he decides that he'll put a better one on her door later. And it looks like she is sleeping. He hears a steady rhythm of her breathing. Goes over to her and smells and doesn't smell any poison or anything like that. Just her. And of course, it's Fitz. So he whacks poetically about it. (laughs) And he says, sleep well, very softly. And she springs up and stabs at him with a dagger. Yep. <laughs> Which he turns aside and says, Molly, no. <laughs> and honestly, good for her. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some random person has picked the lock, knocked on your door, picked the lock, is now looking at you and then says, sleep well. Before what? Is he going to leave? You don't take that chance. So good for her for sleeping with a dagger. Like She punches him in the stomach after she realizes who it is and says, what do you think you're about rattling at my latch and sneaking about in my room? <laughs> and then she threatens to like call the guards and kick him out. And he's like, no, I'm, I'll, I'll go. I was just making sure you're okay. Right. And she's like, I'm not. Obviously, you just came in here and... <laughs> I don't think she's saying she's not because he came in here. I think she's the general, I'm not okay because you haven't... This is the first time you're coming to talk to me and it's been a really uh, long time. <laughs> maybe. I mean, she does say the whole thing. Well, I'm not. I'm a shaking wreck. I shan't sleep another wink tonight. You've been drinking, haven't you? Are you drunk then? What do you want? I feel like he scared her that night. Per- like, that's that's right. what I read of it, at least. I, I mean, he definitely scared her. With good, I mean, obviously, I don't think she mm-hmm. <laughs> jumped out with a knife because she knew it was him. <laughs> right. And even if she did, maybe you would still, because who knows. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it's telling that later that's like not her concern. Right. Yeah. But she does say you're obvious, like obviously you came here because you're drunk, right? Um. So I feel bad because this bad reputation is sticking in her mind. Yeah, definitely the bad, bad reputation. And Fitz tries to 
dissuaded that thought and said, no, I'm, I'm not drunk, I promise you. And he goes on to say, I didn't have bad intentions, just making sure you were all right. I knew that patience wouldn't approve, and he kind of rambles on, and she says that, like, yeah. new boy, you're babbling. <laughs> she informed me icily. <laughs> to be fair, I'm sure Fitz did not think even for one second how this looks. Oh, yeah, no, no. He's just like, oh, my gosh. Jade was killer, yeah. Jade doesn't exist to, like, literally anybody, and he had an attempt on his life tonight. I need to make sure that she's okay. Right. And Molly is like... Why would you come into my room at 2 a.m. and just pick, pick my the lock. lock and then come up and tell me, sleep tight? Like, what a creep. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure he's just now realizing, uh-oh, <laughs> this looks super bad. I'm sorry, I said again and sat down on the corner of the bed. Don't get comfortable, she warned me. You were just leaving, alone or with the keep guards. Your choice. I'll go, I promise, standing hastily. <laughs> I just wanted to be sure you were right. I'm fine, she said testily. Why wouldn't I be fine? I'm as fine tonight as I was last night, as I have been for the last thirty nights. On none of them were you inspired to come and inspect my health, so why tonight? I took a breath. Because on some nights, threats are more obvious than others. Bad things happen that make me take stock of what worse things could happen. On some nights, it is not the healthiest thing to be the beloved of a bastard. The lines of her mouth went as flat as her voice as she asked, What is that supposed to mean? I took a breath, determined that I would be as honest with her as I was able. I cannot tell you what happened, only that it made me believe you might be in danger. You'll have to trust that isn't the part I meant. What do you mean, beloved of a bastard? How dare you call me that? Her eyes were bright with anger. To her defense... Last time she saw Fitz, he was drunk out of his mind. In her eyes. Right, in her eyes. In her (laughs) eyes. Fitz was drunk out of his mind, swearing he didn't know that they were a couple, and that she didn't realize she had feelings for him. And then she left, and he never came after her. It's been 30 days, and he hasn't even acknowledged her presence more than you would a normal servant. And I know that's what he was told to do. Also, she's probably gotten some wintergreen berries from patients Uh and things like Uh that. (laughs) And I'm not saying that he's not doing what he was supposed to do, but does she know he wasn't supposed to? And also, even though he knows he shouldn't have, I'm sure she thought if he really loved me, he would have found a way to tell me or to get to talk right. to me, to find me. Yeah. And poor Fitz <laughs> is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, that's kind of, I think, the way a lot of young teens feel when they're going through kind of a first relationship or a first crush, especially if that's the nature of society to... You run away, you have a chase to see if they really care. You push them away, and if they crawl back, that means that they care. Otherwise, they don't. Any and, any young uh, women or men who are listening to that and say, that, oh, that's good advice, do not no. do that. That is the worst thing you can do. It's super unhealthy also. Yes. Maybe just be honest about your feelings. Yeah, maybe. You <laughs> know, try it once. It'll be helpful <laughs> to all parties involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it really it's a really brilliant way of writing a young character because that I remember being a teenager. I totally thought like, oh, 
I'll get mad and see if if this boy if he really cares. Yeah, if he really cares when I say good night at 7 p.m., he'll say, "Don't go to sleep. I know you're mad." But every time he just said, "Okay, good night." <laughs> How does he not know? (laughs) It feels like that to me, which makes it feel more authentic. And maybe not everybody was as dramatic as me, but I don't know. The whole world was as dramatic as you, Emma. I don't know. Be filled with a little bit more regal flair. True. (laughs) True. Big regal energy already. (laughs) Just not me. B-R-E. Fitz replies to her calling him out by saying, It is true I have no right, but neither is there any way I could stop caring for you, and whether or not I have the right to name you my beloved would not deter those who might seek to injure me by striking at you. How can I say I love you so much that I wish I did not love you, or at least could refrain from showing that I loved you, Because my love puts you in such danger, and have those words be true. Stiffly I turn to go. And how could I possibly dare to say I made sense of your last statement and have it be true? Molly wondered aloud. (laughs) Something in her voice made me turn around. For a moment we just looked at one another. Then she burst out laughing. I stood affronted and grim as she came to me, still laughing. Then she put her arms around me. New boy. You take the most roundabout path to finally declare you love me, to break into my room and then to stand there, tying your tongue in knots about the word love. Could not you simply have said it a long time ago? Well, she prompted, and for a moment I was puzzled. I love you, Molly. So easy to say after all, and such a relief. Slowly, cautiously, I put my arms around her. She smiled up at me, and I love you. Okay, so obviously I love this scene because, as we all know at this point, I am a big fan of Fitz and Molly. But I do have to tinge my own happiness with, I don't think Molly quite understands the severity of what's going on. Oh, oh no. (laughs) Not at all. This is just some elaborate excuse to yeah. come into her room to confess oh, his feelings. Oh, so cute. She was, he was concerned about my safety a little bit. Uh-huh. But no... Someone literally almost died, <laughs> yeah. and Fitz is like, I'm making sure you're not dead, too. Which, I love you. <laughs> very easily could have said, somebody I know got poisoned, and it really made me feel like they might come after you next. Yeah. Or they, like, somebody tried to poison somebody I know that I'm close to. And, like, why, why can't he say that to her? This is part of the problem with their relationship is that he hides so much. And it would be good for her to know. So that going forward, she doesn't need any spice sausages. She's like, oh, so being around you is actually really uh bad and not just you're saying it. Right. You're not just some bad boy. You're like actually bad to be around. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel bad because I think it just shows the gap. If you're really focusing on how would Molly be seeing this situation, it shows the gap in their relationship that is yeah. really hard to fill that Ooh, yeah. is getting wider and wider by the encounter. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad and I love that they're able to confess their feelings and that Fitz feels like this is so natural and I can't believe I said it I didn't say it sooner. And they kiss. And they kiss and it's so cute but 
at the same time, her life is in real danger, and I don't think Fitz has done a very good job of conveying that to her. No, no. I don't know if Patience has. No, probably not. She might be a little bit more circumspect, but at the same time, more referencing it than Fitz has ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just don't know what her conversation with Molly was like. Like you referenced before, yeah. uh, we don't know if she was told that Fitz was told to stay away. Right. Like, we don't know if she knows everything about that plan. Or if she was just told, like, Fitz won't bother you. You're going to be a lady's maid for a while and yeah. be established here. And that's it. We don't know. Right. And maybe Patience is naive enough to think that her meddling has stopped rumors and Molly truly isn't in danger and she doesn't need to worry her needlessly. I don't know. I, it's hard to tell things that are going on behind the scenes. Right. But I do, this does kind of make me feel guilty for liking their relationship because Molly has no idea. Not even a little bit. Like she knows Fitz isn't exactly who he says he is. But to what extent? Yeah. Probably not anywhere close. No, she thinks she knows him now. Like, oh, yeah. you just hid that you were a royal bastard. Right. Because obviously you're embarrassed. But also, does but she Fitz was even... hiding behind, like, three masks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing 40 chess and she's playing checkers. <laughs> no, it's just, like, I don't even know, because she isn't from a noble family and hasn't been at court her whole life i don't think she understands or can even really grasp how dangerous this world is yeah and that's what patience was trying to get through fitz's head and he kind of knew it but at the same time he's like true love though Mm -hmm. we're young and in love and it's perfect so i can go to molly right and he's like oh no her reputation will be ruined because regal talk bad about her which also isn't great but like now it's hit home that like oh oh <laughs> yeah like not, not just talked bad <laughs> yeah literally dead cool <laughs> uh, it's i don't know but i do love this i love I wonder i wonder if other nobles are thinking about like oh maybe i could get poisoned tomorrow if it's like literally just, just in royal Fitz's, family yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just the royal family is trying to get like poisoned okay and stuff. but Anybody who too loudly disagrees with the king seemingly dies in some way or another. <laughs> it's got to be a, like, known secret, right? Right, right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they do all worry about it. Maybe they poison each other. It's like... Or maybe <laughs> it's a tradition, just, <laughs> you know? Maybe they just, like, give each other diuretics. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not, like, real poisoning, but, like, almost worse. <laughs> I do want to note that when they kiss, a wolf's uh, howl rises up at the same time. It sets all the dogs to bang in the uh-huh. in Bucky. <laughs> Still linked with uh, with Night Eyes there, huh? Uh-huh. Not gonna bond a cub, huh? Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Fitz uh, Fitz ends up pretty happy. Yeah. Is Fitz happy in the whole chapter though? Uh, kind of. He's pretty sad. Well, that's fair. It's going to be like, well, I mean... Okay, so he's happy in a couple moments. When he defies Regal. Uh-huh. When he uh, hears the speech from Ketrikin. Mm-hmm. And when he uh, toasts Ketrikin afterwards with Chade, when Chade infects him with his happiness and mm-hmm. excitement. And during the kiss. 
every other moment in there, he is sad or worried. Yeah. So it's a human chapter rather than just an overall depressed or <laughs> overall feeling. Yes, that's <laughs> fair. There's also, some ups and downs. Yeah. I just want to quick say, because this just crossed my mind, Fitz didn't have any reaction to Molly saying she loved him back. There was no excitement conveyed at her love. He's excited to be kissed. He's relieved that he got to say that he loved her. He's like, wow, that was actually super easy. But when she says, I love you, new boy, there's not... I think he already kind of felt that from saying, I thought we were going to get married, basically. So So he's like, oh, she did feel that way. But also... There's a little hint of it um, in the moment of that kiss somewhere near Buckheap. A voice, a wolf lifted up his voice in a joyous ululation that set every hound to bang and every dog to barking in a chorus that rang against the brill night sky. It kind of, in a roundabout way, reflects that fits his feeling on top of the world right now. Right. But is that from the kiss or from the knowing that somebody loves him? And I feel like they're two it's different a types of, both. of it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just feel a little disappointed that there's no mention that it's like, wow, she does love me. Because I feel like he's so questioning of his own self-worth that it feels like there should be some sort of like, I'm so happy that she actually loves me and that I was right. But it's more, I don't know. I mean, it's not super important and I'm sure it doesn't mean anything, but just something I was thinking. Yeah. Good chapter, though. Your favorite chapter? It is. It is my favorite chapter. Out of all the books or just this book? Um, or the first trilogy? Or the first two books? Definitely out of the first two books. I don't know full trilogy. I'll have to continue with the reread and at mm-hmm. the end say. And I, d- I don't think it's my favorite overall in the whole series. Right. Yeah, me either. I, pretty, but it's a good one. Yeah, I just great emotions. Yes, I think it's great to see such a strong female painted in a way that isn't sexy, that isn't talking about her womanly guiles, isn't like talking about how feminine the way she's talking is or over masculinizing her. Um, I think it's really cool to read a character who is just a strong character who happens to be a woman and that people are surprised because they underestimated her for the gender roles that are in place, but nobody questions because how young she is and how young she is, but nobody questions how a noble woman such as herself is able to be such a strong leader. And I just really like it. I, I like it compensation for Mm -hmm. the way that she acts. She just acts because she is that way. Yeah. And like, wow, she really rivals chivalry up there. And not in a way like chivalry would be better because he's a man. But like, wow, chivalry is so great. Now we have another great leader. Yeah. And I just really appreciate that in this writing and in reading it. It's nice to see. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. These are always fun to do. So if you have anything to say to us please email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com. Visit us on our website isfitshappy.com to hear the next and latest episodes and comment on our social medias, isfitshappy at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can see the memes that uh, Emma makes weekly (laughs) posts there. So 
and also the honorable meme shins. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> I never know how to start this. It's so awkward. I'm so sorry. So now's the part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Where we know. talk about you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's just the jingle now. Um, so we're going to talk about some things that were sent in to us from social media, starting with Facebook for episode 32. Yes, chapter five of this book. Um, Two chapters, three three chapters ago now. This is episode eight? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> chapter eight. Chap- oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm losing so it. I'm losing it. <laughs> Um, Irene posted to let us know that because English is their second, a second language, um, they had never known what the term brawn meant. Yeah. For Duke Brondy. Yeah. Um, which is so funny. I forget that a majority of our listeners are not English native speakers or at least not from America. And so whenever we get the occasional comment of, Oh, it's, you know, like something about the English language version is different than my version that I'm reading in whatever language you guys are reading it in is so interesting to me. I just find that very um, fun. And so I'm glad we could shed some light on the funny naming. In, In the Italian version that they have, the Duke's name translates to English as strong arm. So it's they tried to keep the meaning. Similar, yeah. which we've noticed with the other translations that we've been yeah. kind of given, changing it up in some ways, but it's, yeah. it's interesting. Seems yeah. to try to keep with the general tone, mm-hmm. which I wonder if sometimes falls short because of the way just different languages are spoken. Yeah. Um, sometimes an exact translation can be not so good. Right. <laughs> so um, it would be interesting to know if it, like, really is whoa that's way different or you know so i know for like uh lord voldemort in harry potter they translated that to keep the um the anagram for tom marvolo riddle Uh into lord voldemort so they tried to keep those names similar so they had to change a bunch of stuff didn't they make his middle name baguette or something in the french version (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i'm pretty sure there's like it's i don't know if it's baguette and i'm sorry to any french people listening if that's offensive but i remember seeing a post on tumblr way back in the day about how the (laughs) french version his middle name is like baguette because the je suis whatever needed those letters in some way i don't know <laughs> oh my gosh that'd be awesome it was, it was no it's elvis his middle name is elvis not baguette that's so very off wow I, nice yeah but his middle name is elvis and just in case anybody wanted to know um <laughs> uh, but they also had a question I don't understand how Fitz is going to keep his hidden assassin profession. I mean, he showed up in Burns, and magically, the Virago problem is solved. Wouldn't this expose his involvement? I don't remember well this part of the book, so I'm thinking I'm missing something. And Emma and I had a conversation after we got this comment, and kind of decided that it's because they had such complete separation in that whole week. Mm-hmm. So Fitz was there for a full week... He only had contact with Virago at dinner and literally only leaned over 
her food in, in wine glass. They didn't touch one another or anything like that. And then days later, she started developing these symptoms. Right. So it probably wasn't connected. I mean, someone smart could maybe follow a pattern around if they were noticing Yeah, hey, every happened. time the bastard shows up. <laughs> right, yeah. But for that particular case, they had such distance, and Fitz kept a distance, and Virago kept a distance from him through that right. whole thing, that they were just kind of probably not associated with one another. Right, and I think because of she didn't die... Right, yeah. I mean, that we know of. She might have later in the woods when she fled. (laughs) But she was not dead when she fled. Yes. She just had boils on her mouth or sores, and that's a superstitious thing, which I think also helps with concealing fits that these people are such a superstitious people. Yeah. Um, Everything has some deeper meaning behind it, and it's a sign from one of the gods punishing someone or rewarding them. Mm -hmm. And I think that lends itself to be a little bit more of a cover. Um, yeah, definitely. Which maybe they're superstitious for a reason. I mean, there is real magic in this world, so who's <laughs> to say that this isn't a normal occurrence anyway? Right. Then we had a couple comments on uh, Chapter 6, Episode 33's uh, post here. One, again, by Irene, and one by Carrie. Carrie's stipulates that Regal may be smarter than we thought if he's getting away with killing Shrewd, basically. Because somehow Chade doesn't know what's being what's happening. Because right. he's being skill bled, poisoned, and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Verity is strong enough, my theory, is he's either too doubtful of himself to oversee slash skill see his father's health, or does not care because he believes his dad doesn't care if he dies either. And I think Verity is a little too stretched thin at this moment. Yeah. There's too much else going on. And I think there is a little bit of distance because of their rocky relationship. But I don't think it's a malicious sort of... I don't care what happens to him or whatever. Yeah, I think think it's... it's, Let's handle one thing at a time. And the thing that's more... That's easier to handle right now for me is Redship Raiders. And I'm sure he put his trust of his father's care into Chade's capable hands. Yeah. And Chade doesn't know anything about skill. Right. He is very ignorant about skill. So he may know that there's poisoning going on with the medicine. That's really kind of just drugs. But. And I, I even have further thoughts on that. Um. I honestly don't know how much Shrewd is being poisoned right now. I'm kind of backing, backtracking on this, because when I said I read ahead earlier in the episode about when Chade came back, he was talking about Wallace a bit. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten this part earlier. Chade was planning on using Wallace, because Wallace doesn't know much about herbs, mm-hmm. to put the right herbs and stuff in front of him. So Wallace felt like he was helping and doing Mm -hmm. stuff and chade was actually directing the healing that was going on with shrewd Mm -hmm. but since he left for a while and he didn't use wallace maybe somebody else picked wallace up and Mm -hmm. used the tool that was right there in front of him so i feel like wallace is just a complete dick (laughs) and not really malicious and he's just a spy for regal at this point but regal is quote unquote poisoning him with the different herbs and drugs right and not necessarily directly harmfully poisoning shrewd yet and it's mostly just shrewd sickness Mm -hmm. 
But later, after Chade leaves, it gets progressively worse, and I think that's when the poisoning starts. But the skill draining, of course, could be happening this whole time, and Chade would not know. Right. There's no real way for anyone to know except for maybe Verity, and there's too much going on for him to have time. I mean, right. maybe there's not, but I think he has a blunt... Also, you don't want to think your dad is weak, so I'm sure he, it feels weird to spy on your dad. Like, maybe there's an unspoken rule between them not to spy on each other with their abilities. Right, yeah. Also, I do want to say and read something that Carrie wrote down here that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, Verity's rule would definitely be different if chivalry were alive, because remember we asked this question mm -hmm. about what everyone else thought. I imagine he would almost allow his brother to shadow rule, accepting his counsel and support when needed, which I could I could definitely see, like, Shiv yes. and Verity ruled in tandem. They were hand-in-hand mm -hmm. -hand together all the time. Shiv would say, What the hell are you doing letting Regal handle the money of the kingdom? Mountain girls are hot, etc. I can see why he <laughs> and Shrewd had to die. <laughs> we have evidence that chivalry thought mountain girls were hot so maybe mm -hmm. he and ketrican would be a good match. i mean <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but also i think chivalry were he alive would become more of a chade character and maybe not hidden in the walls but a good counsel to the king that mostly makes a lot of decisions because we noticed yeah. earlier in books that um shrewd would say something that sounded just like chade or yeah. His words were exactly what Chade had said earlier. Mm -hmm. And so you wonder how much of that is because Chade's actually making the decisions. Yeah. I mean, granted, Shrewd has to agree to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they're not phrased as you have to follow my will, but... I think we can all agree that chivalry with Chade as an advisor, Verity at his right hand, like, at his side, would be a powerhouse of oh, yeah. a royal family. Add Kedrickin in the mix? Oof. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. going to take over Chalcid. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope in that alternate reality. Mm -hmm. Irene also commented on this, like I mentioned before. And Irene was talking mainly about how we approached this reading that chapter and talking through it. How they thought that it was kind of a useless chapter of Verity and Fitz talking together and just like move on with the plot or whatever. Mm -hmm. Which really goes to show that these rereads... Even for me, like those things were just usually not necessarily breezed past or skipped, but skimmed through or <laughs> yeah. like I read through them very speedily. But this reread and the format that we're doing is very helpful for me as well. Just getting into these characters and, and feeling out what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, th I think it's a I think it's benefit for everyone, honestly. Yeah. yeah and I like the way they put um, the way we've been explaining it helps them feel like relationships are all at the wrong phases, that they're never... Yeah, yeah. That they're... It's not necessarily that the people themselves would do poorly together. It's just that it's the wrong time. And... Except for maybe Night Eyes and Fitz. Yeah. Which <laughs> would be better if... They were both, like, older? a year older. <laughs> right. But at the same time, it's still, I mean, it comes at a time when Fitz needs him. Right, yeah. But everybody else, it, I, I completely agree with that. It just seems just slightly out of sync. Things are just 
never quite line up perfectly for the Farseers ever. Yeah. I I don't know. It's it's a weird phenomenon. <laughs> so next we'll move on to Instagram. Um Aunt the Pekka Chef let us know that they had a theory. Yeah. Which was super interesting to me. So their idea is that this whole series is written by B. If you've read the final trilogy, you know that when Fitz is carving his stone wolf, he is talking to B the whole time and she's writing down everything. And the first thing he he says to her is the first sentence from Assassin's Apprentice. And so there's this theory. The theory is that the reason why it's all in Fitz's point of view is because it's all everything B has written down that he has said aloud. And that's why when we get to the final series, there's also B's perspective because B is there. And that's why some things don't make sense. Um, And that's why not everything lines up perfectly because this is a man recalling the whole story. Yeah. As he puts it into his wolf. And I just think that's such an interesting take. It's so Mm -hmm. such a cool idea that it's been B the whole time. And I really like that. I, l- I like the idea that she kept the consistencies in. Maybe that was her role, to give us this book to change our paths. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I do like that idea. I think it's yeah. really interesting. It's a fun fan theory. Yeah. For sure. No way to prove it either way, but <laughs> I, do, I do like it a lot. So thank you guys for reaching out. As always, it's been a pleasure to hear from you all. We love all of your guys' comments and, you know, the engagement that you guys give us. It's so much fun. Um, we're just a bunch of nerds just <laughs> all together, and it's fun. And True. It's just a really positive place that we've built together, and I really appreciate that. 